0: This episode of Made My Day is brought to you in part by DrawYouAPicture.com. It's a place where I draw pictures for people. If you're a ministry or a small business, I do logos. I do t-shirt designs, podcast cover art, and I can draw a picture of your baby. Prices start at a low, low cost of $99. If you find a cheaper place, please use them. Check out DrawYouAPicture.com. Also brought to you by Bluehost Hosting, where 4.95 per month gets you unlimited space, transfer, and domains. Visit nlcast.com/bluehost today. Welcome to Made My Day, the podcast that celebrates the little tiny wonderful things in life. This is episode 26, brought to you the week of September 22nd, 2014. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. I'm in recovery from major depressive disorder, anxiety, and bipolar, trying to look for at least one thing every day that makes life worthwhile. It's been uh, over a month, I believe, since my last episode in August, uh, ah, twenty seventh. Uh, it's been nearly a month, almost a month, days away from being a month. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've got uh, i got some major mood swings going. Uh, at least I did for about you know three weeks there, and uh, I was on a real high, you know, uh, during uh, uh, my time with my friend John up in Atlanta at DragonCon. And then afterwards, kind of you know, just hit and miss here and there. The only podcasting I've been doing has been an episode of uh, Gospel of Kennison and a few of Nobody's Listening. But uh, I found out at least part of it, part of the problem was I I was forgetting my meds, my morning meds. I have I have medication that I take during the day or in the morning time because it has a not a stimulant, you know, it's nothing like that, but it will, it will keep you awake. Okay. If you're, if you're trying to sleep and, uh, I found out I, you know, I missed those. And, uh, anyway, I am telling you that (laughs) it's just an intro to explain why I haven't done one of these for a few days or for a few uh, weeks, actually. But uh, that means we've got a lot of content to get through, so I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna just start knocking it out. Um, this was this was uh, probably late August, early September. Um, my kids are at their new school, and I have been picking them up uh, every day from my car, and uh, right there on the side of their school. There's a little there's a little walkway, and as soon as they leave the school property, boom, there I am with the car, right. Well, one particular day, um, my son shows up a couple minutes early from what I'm used to. I'm just sitting there on my phone. And uh, lo and behold, no sister, no older sister. He's left without her. I got to the edge, he says, and there was nobody there. And he keeps telling me, well, I can go back. I can go back. I can go back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We'll wait for her. But then I realize she's probably sitting there waiting for him. So I said, okay, go. You know, we're on school property. What can go wrong, right? Well, he goes and he runs past where he was supposed to turn in this little walkway. He missed it. He was going so fast on his little legs. He walked he ran all the way to the corner, uh, which was a main street. And he turns left and starts running across the outer fence, you know, all by himself out there with the uh, Tons of cars turning in to the main entrance Uh, car line. I suddenly feel like, you know, the worst white trash parent in the world. I get out of my car and rather than follow him, um, because I couldn't see him, I, I was I thought, you know what? I'll go down the walkway. I'll, I'll head toward the entrance where he's going to enter the school property and I'll meet him there. Before I could get there, I heard them call out uh, uh, something about. I mean, somebody had obviously gotten to him, which I was happy about. I heard it over their broadcast system. The, the, the couple of the folks uh, out there have a wireless microphone that they use, and they called out his name. And uh, I went to the person that called out his name, and I, I realize now that I was probably pretty. She was probably on her guard against me, but she started treating me as if I were attacking her. I just came up and said, are you the one that called out the name? And my next statement was going to be, could you tell me where he went? But she's like, you know, he's, he was walking around in traffic and this and the other What you know, you're supposed, he's not supposed to be out there. And I got a little hot (laughs) and I, I said, um, I I know that ma'am, I've, I've raised him, I've kept him alive for six years, and she backed off. And um, I saw him, I never even got a chance to tell her why I was actually talking to her. I saw him with Jenna walking down toward my car. And so I met up with him and told him all the rules, all of the rules. And so my grateful thing is that uh, my son didn't get hit by a car. On Wednesday <laughs> was a Wednesday. Oh, anyway, I won't even talk about earlier this week when my kids walked home in the rain, even though I had told them not to, uh, that, that if, if, if it rained, I would pick them up in car line. They obviously didn't listen. All right. So Thursday, um, was my trip to Atlanta to bump into my, uh, co-host on nobody's listening uh John Steinclober. He lives up there outside of uh Atlanta and uh Atlanta was where Dragon Con was. So I I drove up there and uh Thursday night um I didn't have any big plans, but I pulled in real late and he's like, "Dude, let's go. Let's go get our tags early." Cuz last time we went like 3 years ago, we waited in line for hours to get our ta- our named badges, you know, your pass more or less. So we we went down there with 30 minutes to spare. You know, we got our passes and we started walking around because there were people just doing, you know, in in costumes already. And I told John, I'm like, my whole my whole goal here is just to get a picture with somebody cosplaying as Buzz Lightyear. And lo and behold, <laughs> right there, 15 steps later, I see someone in the one of the best uh, Buzz homemade Buzz Lightyear costumes I've ever seen, ha- head included. And the head is usually really hard to get right because they either make it too big and he looks really freaky or they make it, I don't know, too perfect or whatever. But this person just went for a completely plushy almost kind of look. And it's awesome. If you'd like to see that photo, just go uh, look up James Kennison in uh, Facebook and you'll see you'll see a picture of me and Buzz. I made it my profile photo. So that was pretty awesome on my first day. I was like, I'm done. We can go home now. The, uh, the, uh, Friday we went to dragon con and it was awesome and, um, had a great time. We sat in some podcasting seminars, you know, and, and, and met some good people. And that was a lot of fun. Saturday though, the, the very best, that was the last day we went. The thing goes till Monday, but we, we cut out on Saturday. I, um, I got to meet Perry Grip. Now, if you don't know who that is, uh, he's the guy that he uh, makes a lot of uh, music on the internet. And that's how I'm mostly familiar with him. He was also part of a band. He's part of a band called Nerf Herder. And I wasn't as familiar with, with those those works. I idolized him because of his, his little catchy songs like uh, uh, Baby Monkey. Isn't this awesome? Favorite songs. Alright, if you want to see that, you need to see it. It's a video, Baby Monkey Riding on a Pig. If you type in Baby Monkey in YouTube, it'll finish for you, riding on a pig. And uh this guy um made this song off off this video he found online. He's done a lot of them. And um it's some of his older work, but more recently, you—if you've ever seen the uh, brand new Disney XD show, The Seven D's—he um, did the theme song for that uh, superhero squad. It's been out a couple years, few years. He did the um, the the intro for that. With this infinity gauntlet, I Thanos will rule the universe. All right, squaddies, time to hero up. Shout out, hey. who's going Isn't that amazing? Doesn't it just sound awesome? (laughs) All right, you're gonna have to bear with me one more. (laughs) I just love this guy so much. Seventies, enjoy. Sleepy is day and night. Grumpy's wound up in too tight. Hi-ho, go the 7D. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Yippie, yippie, low now. Hi-ho. Hey, Heidi-ho. Now, hi-ho. Here comes the show. Now it's time for the 7D. Hi-ho. Make way for the 7D. Hi-ho. And it's obviously the 7D, not the 7Ds, but it stands for <laughs> Seven Dwarves. And it's a new show, and it's really good. I love the theme song. Um, Just to be thorough. Uh, I've got to do I've gotta do one more. It's one of my favorite Hey, ones. everybody. So this is an update about me. She's a young girl talking about herself. You can stop She's a young girl talking about herself. Here's my favorite part, listen, this is amazing. Oh, it makes me want to cry. It's so good. It's just, I don't know. I love this guy. Okay. I had to show you all that so that you would understand how amazing it was when we went to, uh, you know, we heard Nerf Herder was going to play. Paragrip was going to be there. Never in a million years that I think it was going to work out. But not only was he there and everybody, there was tons of people sitting to watch him, but he was standing over there behind his product table absolutely nobody talking to him and, and and I didn't really recognize him at first uh John did and John's like there he is and uh I was like, oh my gosh it is him ah. and so we go up there and long story short long very very long story short um I bought an album an LP you know like an old school album and I had him and the band sign it I got to shake his hand I got a picture with him. Um, I got to talk to probably the person that's his manager, maybe his wife and, and, uh, really expressed how much I enjoyed specifically his, his, um, this kind of stuff, you know, the stuff he does for the television shows and the, the, the writing of these, uh, these little short songs. And, uh, cause I knew nothing. I'd never heard an, I'd only heard one song, the girl at the video game store, uh, is, is a pretty popular song that, that Nerf Herder did. Didn't know any of his other stuff. And um, we're hopefully going to get him to, uh, to, to appear on one of my podcasts, probably uh, nobody's listening. So I'm very excited about that. It was absolutely thrilling. It was huge. Later in that same day, another MMD was, I got to be on a panel, uh, just a talk that was given uh, it specifically for podcasters, um, that had been doing it at least eight years. So that knocked out a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the, the new folks. And, um, I got to sit down with a lot of seasoned folks, people that have been doing it significantly longer than me, which in podcast terms, that just means a couple of years. Uh, but in podcast, uh, years, that's a long, that's a long time. Um and so it was really good. It, we talked about podcasting in the past, present and the future and though I don't know that I you know it made any kind of impact or whatever it was interesting the things that I seemed to say seemed to resonate with the people in the audience and was was referenced several times by the people um that were on the panel. Um folks that I got the impression they were pretty important uh, even though I didn't know who they were i'm i'm even with perry grip i I wouldn't have recognized him in a crowd I don't know i i just, i love people's work, i guess so much um that I know you by what you do <laughs> so uh, anyway, that was really awesome Perry grip meeting him was absolutely thrilling uh my buddy John was so nervous he was so thrilled too, but his reaction is to not speak, <laughs> so he didn't even uh, talk or anything. So, uh, it was good. I'm glad I didn't freeze up. Sometimes I do that same thing. Um, Sunday, John, uh, lives in noonan, which is right down the street, like 15 minutes from where they film, uh, walking dead. And I am a big fan. I'm a big fan of this show. And, uh, my wife is too. And if you've, even if you don't like zombies, stuff you know or this show in particular just imagine that i'm talking about whatever show you are into and i got to go to the to one of the sets (laughs) of your favorite show all right my favorite show happens to be walking dead um in season two or three i think they were in a town called woodbury and woodbury is actually a real town in central uh, georgia uh but the town is so small that they actually filmed it in a different place, um, and I can't remember the name of the town, but I got to walk the very same streets that uh, in the story in the in the show they had blocked off. You know the ends of the roads, and they built kind of this community inside of it, and and uh, the whole season played out inside of this uh, this town square area, these you know two block area. And I got to walk that and take pictures of it, and uh, got to go to the little store. That caters to, uh, you know, people like me. <laughs> and uh, it was full of coffee mugs and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And it was really neat. It was really very cool. Uh, and, and a little bit later, we, we were driving down and we saw these giant walls. 15-foot corrugated walls. And uh, I didn't, I. it was obvious it was for something for a show. Because there were some very fancy houses uh, in and around there. But I didn't know anything. And so it wasn't a big a deal. But when we got home and we looked online, we found out they were building it for uh, this coming season. And uh, it, was, it, it was for some city. And I've read the comic, and I know that eventually they get to some sort of city uh, that has these giant walls. And the people inside have been so secluded and, uh, that they don't even really know. Some of them don't even really know what's been going on outside. And, uh, it's, it's anyway, I don't know that that's, what's going to be, but the walls are definitely for them. (laughs) And that was really neat to see that stuff. Um, the, uh, very next day, uh, was Monday and that's the day I drove home on the way home. I figured, you know what? I'm going to drop by this Woodbury, Woodsbury town again. Cause we got there late and I didn't get to see the store properly. And I mentioned to my wife that I was thinking about getting our coffee mug, but I couldn't find one that didn't have blood all over it. You know, blood splatters like fake blood, you know? And, and she was really impressed by that idea. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to go back. And I did. And I went in the store and lo and behold, downstairs, they had a, a little area decorated with some props and things. And, and um, so I got to see, um, just some different things that you would like the inside of one of the cells. Uh, if you're a show fan of the show, you know, the governor's daughter was kept behind this cage thing. I got to see that. And, and the, the, uh, chopper, the motorcycle that, uh, Daryl rides in the series was there. And I got some photos and stuff like that. So that was neat. Cause if I didn't go back, I'd have never seen that also stepped off into their local, uh, photo. I'm sorry. Uh, post office and I took some pictures of those walls just so I could say I was there later on and that was really neat I also um on my way home since I I knew I was gonna be late I I told my daughter I had something to tell her and uh I knew I was gonna be late and she was gonna have to wait so I called her and I told her about meeting Perry Grip and she absolutely gets just totally thrilled um, when she hears about me connecting with famous people, even when she was young, she uh, she thought it was so awesome that there were people that had done so such a great thing in the world that that kids got to get out of school in their honor. Uh, she's thinking about presidents, I'm sure she just, that just make a, made a huge impression on her in kindergarten. And ever since she's decided she's going to be the world's first female president. Now I, I'm pretty darn sure there'll be one before she gets there, but I don't tell her that. And I, I think, you know, whatever she wants to do, she'll be able to do it. But, uh, she's always has this, this thing, like, kind of, I don't know, just, just about not celebrity worship. She doesn't really care about all that kind of stuff. She just loves knowing that I connect with people like Ethan Nicole, who does Axe Cop and Bear Mcgee, who's writing for Veggie Tales. You know, uh, she loves that I had lunch with Doug Tenaple, the creator of uh, of Cat Scratch on Nickelodeon, and, uh, Earthworm Jim on the Second Genesis, uh, you know, stuff like that. And writer, head writer for <laughs> Veggie Tales uh, in the house, coming exclusively to Netflix very soon. Um, and she loved that I met Perry Grip because she's a huge fan of all the songs and all that kind of stuff, and it just made her day and made mine accordingly. Um, Tuesday, the highlight was being home, hugging my kids, seeing them after school, showing them all the pictures, stuff like that, sharing those uh, those things with my wife as well. Because all the pictures of the town and stuff like that, she was very jealous. Wednesday, I enjoyed um, chatting with an old friend. His name's Steven. He was the uh tech guy at the church I used to work at in, in uh Kansas City. And he calls me or contacted me and we got on Skype and uh he's talking to me about this project that he wants me to do. It involves making possibly a web comic for the business that he and a friend are are working on and a few other friends actually. And that was pretty neat. And they also invited me to um speak. Or not speak, but be a part of a of a uh, Google Hangout uh, that they did with their community. And I was supposed to be there just to provide comedy relief. And boy, did they need it. A bunch of guys uh, that, that are Linux pros. Uh, I don't even know all. Of, uh, I just know that it's Linux and it's has to do with programming and stuff and all these super smart guys that aren't very funny. <laughs> and I got to just be an idiot and interrupt them and make fun of them. <laughs> and stuff like that. So I had a good time. So that was just neat. And it made my day that particular day. And so I wanted to share it with you Thursday. Um, I pick, I fixed Jay's iPad and, um, that was pretty funny. Uh, they come to me and they said, Jay's iPads, you know, sounds not working. It's not, it's the one he bought himself with his own money. And, uh, so I'm not as, I guess, protective of it as I am. My other technologies, Because it's theirs, and if they break it, oh well. But when they brought it to me and the sound didn't work, I was like, "Dadgummit, Jay! You're probably... Did you drop it recently? Did you drop it?" And he just got quiet, and that means yes, and it probably means I drop it every day, and so I expected the worst. I got online, I I looked up uh, how to fix sound on an iPad, expecting to have to order some kit and open it up, but I got a how-to document. And, and the first thing on it was check the little switch next to the volume. And, uh, sure enough, there was this, uh, switch right next to the volume and I flipped it and the sound started working. So, uh, I felt a little dumb until I realized that when I owned my, my first iPad, uh, back when they first came out, that switch was an orientation lock. When you hold a iPad, uh, portrait mode, it, it rotates and shows you stuff, you know, portrait mode. And if you turn it sideways, most apps will turn sideways, give you a widescreen look. That's what you want to do when you watch videos and stuff like that. Well, so when the, the the iOS updated and turned that switch instead into a mute switch, I went in and switched it back to orientation lock because that's what I was used to. So, uh, it was not the first thing I thought of, but I was so thrilled when, and I was proud to be dumb, proud to have one of those moments, uh, to find out that there was nothing wrong with it. It was just that little switch. So definitely made my day. Um, Oh, uh, it's also on that day. I, I wrote an article a while back, uh, a series of them actually on podcast structure. And one of them was on why you podcast and, and how to really uh, frame up and think up your main, you know, to, to, (laughs) um, it was how to take your idea and really put it through the ringer and make sure you have an idea that's, that's good enough for a podcast and assuming it is good enough, how to find a sustainable way to continue the podcast. And I used the information that I got from a book called Save the Cat, which is a screenwriter's book. Uh, Save the Cat Strikes Back talks about something called a logline. A logline in a book, I mean, I'm sorry, in a movie, is basically what you would say when you describe what the movie is about. And a a good logline has a structure with certain elements that you can plug in and be able to tell somebody about a movie in one sentence um, using this This structure. And it's also a way to start writing a screenplay. All that to say is, I wrote an article that uses that concept and says, you know, uh, so and so podcast is a weekly show or, you know, duration would be the blank um, about theme, you know, uh, hosted by um, qualified. Podcaster, and so instead of that, you would put in, you know, uh, a comic guru, you know, James Kennison kind of thing. Anyway, I put it out there, and you you just you write that stuff up and you send it out. I've used it to to help flesh out, especially uh, um, a new version of nobody's listening that's going to be coming out. You can hear it right now. I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, nobody's listening is trans into and rebranding, renaming into uh, that story show. And I used my log line to help create that. But outside of that, I didn't know if anybody else was going to use it. Well, this guy named Mike out of the blue uh, just starts emailing me and he sends me his log line and he starts asking me for uh, assistance with it and help. And, and even some uh, suggestions uh, for his uh, show art and all that kind of stuff. And it was just really neat working with somebody Based off the uh, article that I did. So that was cool. Um, Friday, I had some art jobs come in. Uh, I draw pictures over at drawyoupicture.com. And this stuff is either feast or famine. I get nothing for a month or two, and then I'll get four jobs all at once. And that's pretty much what happened. And um, I had a great time. I had a great time doing some artwork for some folks. Some of it didn't work out, it was a little too complicated. Um, I didn't do my job very well on asking what they actually wanted. I kind of assumed I knew and, um, I charged two. uh, I didn't charge enough. <laughs> that's basically it. And then, then they were very demanding on top of that. So I canceled the, the order and that's unfortunate. You know, I don't like ticking people off, but it's, uh, it's what it needed to be. And it's where I'm at right now, you know, is I, I will, uh, I, if I can, <laughs> if I can, uh, avoid you know stress and potential anxiety i do it i have to and um but i didn't tell them all that i'll tell you i told you instead oh another thing is that my daughter thinks i'm a genius she told me that the other day because we were sitting there at the table and i heard uh the the ice cream truck go by the music was playing and i uh i said oh Because we have this thing in our house that I've told her since she was little that if the ice cream truck is playing music, it means they're out of ice cream. And it's something I stole from my mentor, David Godbout, he used to tell his kids. Well, my daughter mentions that she hears the music and she's like, oh, you told us, you know, this is the music and no ice cream. And, and she, I think she's going to get upset and she goes, oh, that was so mean but so genius. And it just made my day that my daughter is enough like me to where she appreciates creativity and genius when she sees it. That's why I stole it. Cause it was funny as heck. Um, and to this day, I don't know that my kids have ever gotten ice cream off an ice cream truck, which, uh, which is just fine. I'm sure it's overpriced and I doubt it looks anything like what it does on the wrapper. Um, Friday night though, the same night I did all the art projects. Uh, My wife and I got to spend some time together watching um, uh, the last few episodes. We watched four episodes in a row of Walking Dead. And that's because um, (laughs) uh, a week, almost a week to the day that I got back from Dragon Con, I just had one of the worst nights ever. And one of the ways I used to get through life uh, when I was first on the the road to recovery, uh, when I was just getting you know, my feelings back, um, or being able to enjoy things. Anyway, I used to sit and watch fail videos. And then after that, I used to sit and play Minecraft for unlimited hours every day and slowly, but surely got into this show. This show was the first one that I first returned to podcasting because I couldn't be funny. I knew I couldn't be funny, but I knew I could talk about the things That I, you know, that, that had made my day. I, I knew I could use this show as a form of therapy to get myself back where I was supposed to be. But that night was absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. It was a, it was a dark night. I was crying. I couldn't stop. I, I, things, I just can't explain to you how it feels. I can't, I can't explain to you how it feels. It's, um, it's terrible and miserable and it hurts it's like a almost a physical pain for me in my chest the pressure and the the tension and and it comes in waves but i sat there and i watched these shows and usually jen and i watch one and she's barely able to stay awake because if she sits still she's out it's crazy and annoying but it's something i've dealt with all this time and it's a good trade because other than that she's perfect except for her taste in men or at least man Um, But she, I kept hitting play because I needed the distraction. I needed it so bad. And we finished the the season (laughs) watching episode after episode after episode. And uh, it was, it was good. You know, on a bad day, it was the best thing. Um, That following Sunday, um, we go to a little church and uh, it's very small and it's very uh, full of no pressure. (laughs) Nobody knows I'm a pastor and the folks that do know mainly the the main pastor and his wife, they don't care. So, uh, it's a good thing. But, uh, one thing I may or may not have shared is that it's been a long time since I've taken communion and I am, uh, I'm, I'm what you would call a Protestant, I suppose. So we do, you know, the Protestant version of, uh, of that, and there's all kinds of versions but the one I'm used to is it's just a little wafer and a little little cup and and they read the scriptures about the, the blood and the body of Christ and and you um, but you're reminded oftentimes uh, that if you uh, you know if you have something in your heart against someone that if you take communion, you know the Bible says you eat and drink judgment or condemnation on yourself, but I've never seen anybody not take communion. But when I, um, right before I lost right. Well, no, I guess it was right. As I, I quit my job, I stopped. The, the communion was served at, at service and I, I let it pass by and I got the weird look from the guy passing out the elements. And I, it's been a year and a half maybe now since I've had communion and that's because I didn't know where I was with my relationship with God. Um, You know, at, at first just to be brutally honest, I, I was mad at him. I guess I felt betrayed by him because we had been doing, you know, all this ministry and, and I'd worked so, so hard not to lose my job. You know, I'd worked so hard to, to keep up appearances and to do a great job. And, and it just, it turned out that the, you know, my job was, I had not done as great of a job as I had thought at masking it. And, uh, you know, um, anyway, the, the big deal is that I was mad, you know, at God. And, and if, if you have ought against your brother, <laughs> That's what the Bible says, uh, that you're eating and drinking a condemnation of yourself. So I'm like, if I have an ought against God, I I will probably, it'll be like eating, drinking poison. You know, I say that jokingly, of course. But um, Sunday, I want to say, not this past Sunday, but Sunday before, um, they, they handed out communion at this little church. And I decided... You know, God and I have been talking and, you know, things are, I've I've come to a a whole new understanding of the relationship between God and I. Um, You can read about such things at JamesKennison.com. You can also listen to the Gospel of Kennison, which is my personal audio journal, if you want to get all the details about that kind of stuff. But basically, me and God are cool. And so I'm like, well, I got no reason not to take communion. And I got to take, uh, so I grabbed it and my son and my daughter were with me. And I realized this was the first time my son had ever had communion and how screwed up would it have been for me not to take anything and him sitting there with that. And I knew, I knew it was his first time and realized, I was like, buddy, do you know what this is? Because he asked me, what is this? What is this? I said, it's communion. Do you know what that is? He says, no. And I got to tell him. Like when Jesus died on the cross, you know, before he did, he, he had a, a supper with his folks and he told them, you know, that when you, when you think about me dying on the cross, I want, I want you to do this to remember it. And I said, the, the bread is, is like God's Jesus's body that was broken and, and bruised and hurt and, um, was broken for us. And I said, the, the, the grape juice, that's grape juice. And, uh, it, it symbolizes his blood that was shed for us and it washed our sins away and all this kind of stuff. And I knew he got it. I knew he got it because right after he, I finished, he snapped knowingly snapped his little wafer right in half and looked up at me. And that's something I've always done too. It's just a thing, you know, cause the body was broken and it's a way for me to remember just to take it to that next step. And probably a lot of people do it. It's probably not anything original, but, uh, it blessed me that he did it. Just he probably it probably was nothing, but I think it was. I think it was he knowingly uh, did that because I he got that it was a symbol of uh, Jesus's broken body. So anyway, and he's a lot like his dad. It's dumb, Service. So uh, Tuesday, uh, skipping ahead. Um, I I I earned. I've been earning uh, my stay-at-home dad title. I've never claimed it, but on Monday I started because, um, bouncing back and, and getting balanced out and feeling, feeling decent. I, uh, I, I did a good job. I helped my kids with their homework. I made them a snack. I helped them get their rooms clean. There's just a process that we do. And fast forwarding to this weekend, I've, improved upon that. And I've now got a schedule. So they get home at, um, one 30, by the time we get home. And that's ridiculous. Okay. I'm used to them getting home after four, you know, cause I pick them up and we go home and they had a little bit of aftercare. Now I got them all. It feels like I have them all day. And so I got a schedule together and now they, uh, they have times they play outside. There's times they play inside. There's times that they get to be on their their computers and their stuff. And, uh, there's time for homework. There's time for straightening the house before mom gets home and there's snack time built in. And, uh, it's awesome. And I have been able to claim the stay at home dad thing. I never did before. People would say that my wife would, would say it. And I would say, please don't, because all I'm doing is not having a job (laughs) and I'm here when they get out of school. But I'm disrespecting every stay-at-home dad that does this job for real. And, uh, and so now, though, I claim it because I'm doing great. We have decided to start homeschooling our kids. And before you get too excited about that homeschool parents, we're still sending them to public school. <laughs> we're just homeschooling them, too. And you're like, well, why don't you just do that? Because we don't care about the social stuff. I want my kids in the world. I want their faith tested. I want them to have, you know, the the, the stuff that they're going to get from public school. I want them to be people that aren't afraid to interact and, and know how to talk to people from different races and religions. And to me, uh, right now, the way it stands, uh, homeschool still just does not supply that. And it's a lot better than it used to be. But even co-ops are typically... Typically, all the same race, income level, religion, that kind of thing so and and that's the fancy reason the other reason is I don't want them home all day. <laughs> I don't love my kids as much as you homeschool people do, so we use public school for child care <laughs> and uh and socialization and uh and and faith testing, and then they come home and do a becca with me for a few hours and uh, I'm earning not only uh, my stay at home dad chops, I'm also a homeschooler uh, but we're a hybrid <laughs> probably the only of our kind. And I'm sure I would take uh, take uh, you know, punishments and condemnation from both sides for, for my straddling the line. But uh, we want our kids to get an education and they're just not at this school. It's just not where they were when they were at the private school. But, um, but I feel good though. Cause I took that, I took that from my wife. She was doing it. It was her idea. Um, and, and, you know, to her credit, I would have never <laughs> jumped into this, but, uh, I, I just somehow offered, Hey, I, I help them with their homework. Why don't you just let tell me where they are. And she's like, well, just have them do two pages in this and this. And I just took it. And now it's my job. And um I think that's that's not just bragging rights. I'm proud of it. But uh that's just something that wouldn't even have been possible a couple even a couple months ago. It wasn't possible cuz I didn't do it. I I didn't get the the snacks. I didn't have I I didn't care what they did when they got home. Even just a month ago. And uh I'm 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 I've got a I don't know, my own uh, statement that I kind of follow and I I urge other men who who are crippled by depression, I urge them to follow this and, and it's, I do what I can, the most I can, when I can, so that when I can't, it's not that big a deal. I should work on the last part of that so it would sound better. It would like, I could say something like I do the most I can when I can. So when I can't, I can't, the can't, you know, it would just be something that would be final and cool. But, um, I've always followed that because I truly do not want to be the guy that uses depression as an excuse. Um, it is a reason it is a crippling thing, but I am fighting it and I'm going to win it. And I am winning. And I always do everything that I can. And my wife knows that even on our worst day, even when I'm the most disappointing, she knows that if I'm having, if if there's something I can't do, it's because I can't do it. Not because I will kill myself to try to do things. And if I can't, she knows, she knows it's bad. And, uh, that saves our marriage. It saved my family. It saved a lot of things. And, um, so when I say I couldn't put snacks together and, and care about where my, what my kids did after school, I, I mean it, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't like I thought about it and said, no, I can't do that. It's just my brain. What? I don't know. It'd be like a guy in a wheelchair thinking about going for a walk. It's just not something that he would, if he was born that way, I'd say, It's not something he would just, his brain would just come up with. Um, He might roll down the street, but he's not ever going to think I'm going to walk down the street. Okay. It's just not, you know, or a blind guy worrying about what color his eyes are. You know, Uh, it's just probably not something they, they really stress about very much or even comes to their mind. And that's where I was. But now as I get better and these ideas come and these opportunities present themselves and I latch on to them, it really helps to redeem the time that I was down. And the times that I am down because there's not a time in my wife's life where she says he's faking it or he's just being a slacker or a loser. Those moments don't come. I think there was a time when they did early on. I know they were in my head. I thought I was turning into the biggest, fattest, laziest loser in the world until I realized that I was fighting an uphill battle, you know, that was getting worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't just that I couldn't stay awake. I mean, that I wanted to sleep all the time is because I couldn't stay awake. It wasn't that I wanted to stay up all night is because I couldn't sleep, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, (laughs) being stay at home, dad, that made my day on Tuesday. Okay. Um, Oh, I also went, my pastor friend, the pastor at my little church, she's, you know, quickly becoming a a friend. And um, I asked him, I was like, can you tell me when the pastor's breakfast is? Every, every, every month, the pastors in the section get together and have breakfast and they share things, talk to each other, kind of network and connect. And I hadn't been to one since I quit. So I was like, Hey, I got a friend. I'm going to ask him. He told me about it. We went, that was that same Tuesday. And, um, I I'm glad I went. Um, it was very interesting. It was it was an interesting experience. I actually did a a gospel of Kennison episode based off that off of a, of a man that I met there who was very unique. I also got to see a, a pastor face-to-face that I had emailed um, asking him for some help and support about depression. And he hit me back with a big old fat, you know, if you believe in God enough, you won't have depression email that I wrote a big article about on JamesKennison.com. I think it's called Why I'm Defensive About My Depression, which I'm not anymore, but I was then. Um, And, and I, I decided... That I am not I was presented with, with this and I realized, you know, there's a lot of great people, even at my table, some old a couple that, that had been, you know, serving in ministry for years and years and they're just so precious. So that's it's not everybody, but just the business of being a pastor. I realized I've always known this, but I realized that day that I was never called to sit in an office. And be a pastor. I, I'm I'm not I'm not called to sit in meetings and think about the future of a building and a and a congregation. Um I've I, I even struggled when I took my job because they had office hours that they expected you to be at. My last church knew that the ministry is done outside the church, and office hours were not you know, strictly enforced and some people took advantage of that. But, uh, you know, if, if David Godbout and I were out for most of a week, you knew it was because we were doing school tours or, you know, we were doing uh, sidewalk super church or d- just different things like that. And that's the way life rolled. But I realized, um, for, for sure. I'm, I'm not an office guy. I'm called to ministry. I'm not called to, to an office. And I can't, I can't do that. And I am, uh, I am very much looking forward to in the near future, jumping into a, a ministry role again. Um, but it will not be in my opinion, as a traditional pastor, it'll be more like a missionary. It'll be more like I'm working and serving people and, um, yes, leading and and all this kind of stuff. But but I don't know. I saw a graphic the other day that kind of reminds me of the style that I want to be. And one of them was, uh, you know, uh, a, a, it was like an Egyptian looking artwork thing, hieroglyph, hieroglyphic. And there was the boss man sitting up on the throne. He was pointing and the slaves were dragging him and the, the load, you know, along. And that was, that was style one. Um, and then there was style two where that same guy was, the front person in line pulling put and pointing ahead, but pulling right along with the guys uh, pulling that load. And uh, the obvious imagery is, you know, also that you're not only leading by not not just example, but actually doing the job right alongside them. And it's also that you're not part of the problem. So that's what I want to be. That's the kind of ministry I'm called to. What does that look like? I got some ideas, um, but it does, I I know it does not involve, um, a job where you have to wear a suit, um, except for weddings and funerals. Um, it's not a job where you have to worry about storage and lighting and smoke machines and stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that stuff. If you're a good, you know, it's, it's where I don't have to worry about events and programs. It's going to be about serving people. And um, I realized it just a minute in my head that I'm not about this. Now, there's anything wrong with it. There's a lot of churches with a lot of great pastors, and they're doing a lot of great things inside of that structure. But I'm not one of those people anymore. That next Thursday, or you know, Thursday, a couple days later, I had the opportunity to have lunch with my daughter. She was selected as a celebrity of the week in her class. And um don't get too excited, every kid eventually gets picked, but it at random. And every day they get to do something that's about them, like bring in pictures and stuff like that. And um on uh, Thursday, she got to have a parent come and have lunch with her and you know, I'd have gladly done that anytime, but it was especially cool that I got to do it here. And uh, I brought her lunch. I made it, you know, we put it together at the house. But uh, at the last minute, I grabbed some sodas. And um, so it it was bonus cool because they don't do sodas at the school. And she doesn't drink soda that often, especially my stuff. And I brought that and it was a lot of fun. And we got to sit outside in the blazing Florida heat and eat lunch together. It was so awesome. No, it really was. Friday, the very next day. She, um, the, the, the celebrity thing dictated that we had to write, um, a letter to her or for her about her. <laughs> and, uh, my wife wrote it and then, um, or she wrote part of it and then I rewrote it and kind of punched it up. She wanted me to, and I'd like to share it right now. Not many people know But Jenna was adopted. But then we changed our minds and we got her back. (laughs) I asked her later, did anybody get that joke? She goes, the teacher did and one other kid. But then she had to explain it to everybody else because they were like, you were adopted. Anyway, it says Jenna has done a podcast, an internet radio show called Podcast Kids since just before she turned three. She could talk very well for her age, but didn't always make much sense. We were supposed to write something embarrassing. So here it goes. During one podcast, she was asked about a trip to the pet store about getting a pet or getting to pet a kitten that was in a cage. And she said, yeah, I got to pet him on the kitty in the cave on the sidewalk and I went potty in the garden. We never figured out what in the world she was talking about, but we promise you that she has never used the bathroom in anyone's garden. So that got a lot of laughs, she said. Jenna's podcast is just over six years old now. These days, she and her dad talk about things that matter to kids. One of her recent episodes was about what it was like changing schools, since this was her first year at Shore Acres. You can find a podcast, Podcast Kid, in iTunes. Jenna loves reading and creating things. She also loves Star Wars, Doctor Who, Harry Potter, and anything geeky and fun. I was hoping that would make her some geek friends, but I don't know. Jenna is one of the nicest kids you'll meet. She's kind, caring, She works hard at everything she does. The only really bad thing about her is her dog, Moffat. He's kind of dumb. When Jenna was two, her dad wrote a song for her called I'm Already Proud. Here's just a little part. So many would say I should hold out and wait to see if she does something worth a smile. But I need nothing else. I love you by yourself. All the rest just makes it more worthwhile. We love you, Jenna. Mom and dad. So, getting to do that was definitely an MMD. Um, Saturday? Oh man, this was just uh last this was this was last. I don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? I started playing the guitar again. I realized that um lo and behold, I had a guitar out in the garage. That I'd forgotten all about. Now that sounds weird, but hear me out. It was one that I used in ministry all the time. It was a it was a pretty nice ovation. Those are the ones that have the plastic backs that are kind of rounded off. And um, it was it had been in my office, and um, like everything else that was in my office, pretty much everything is in the garage. I I was in such bad shape, and I was so depressed, and so you know feeling so such failure. And I just dumped everything in there and walked away. And the guitar was one of those things. I, re- I remembered it. I pulled it out, tune it up, got some strings for it. And uh, lo and behold, downloaded an app on my iPad that is like karaoke for a guitar. It tells you the chord progressions and it helps you with the words. And it has all these popular songs. And me and my kids had a blast just sitting for like an hour and a half and I I about killed my fingers. You have to have calluses to really play. And I've got them cause I've been practicing. Um, but we just had a blast singing, singing songs, everything from Owl city to, um, what is it? The, the Pompeii song and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. It was fun. It was good stuff. Uh, and that day was the first time we were so, oh, what were we singing? And I ta- 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 na- 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 that I love and i saying goodbye, say something I'm giving up on you. Okay. That song, we, we sang that. And when we did, I broke off into the harmony part and Jenna was singing the melody part and we harmonized and we sang together and I, I had to stop. I mean, I kept playing, but I had to stop singing cause my voice was cracking cause I was just tearing up because it was such an awesome moment. Um, being able to sing with her, something that I never even thought of doing, uh, not for a very long time. And it's something that we used to do quite a bit um, when I was a kid, as a family. It was one of the few, you know, really good moments, things I remember is we would, we we shared music, you know. And uh, so that was, a, that was a very good MMD. Um, Sunday. It wasn't this past, so this has been a week. <laughs> just, but it was a week after my first communion. So uh, I don't know. My pastor has just from the pulpit just basically mentioned a Facebook post that I had put in, you know, put up in my sermon or in his sermon. The Facebook post was basically me commenting on how you can make a normal, any normal comment and some harsh Christian response is usually going to come out. If you, if you have a lot of Christian friends and I do. And so my comment was something like harmless comment about whatever. And then I put in all caps, you know, harsh Christian response. And, um, he, he mentioned that. And he, even, even after, uh, After service, he's talking to my wife and he said, he said these, he says, uh, says your husband puts up stuff that's so real and, uh, that makes your day, you know, it did me, um, skip Monday. I don't know what happened Monday, but I didn't write anything. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I wrote, um, my kids walked in the rain on Monday. Told you about that earlier. And I wrote about it on Facebook and uh, I'm actually going to look it up right now and share it with you because a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people like for, like it, it was very popular on, on the, uh, on the YouTube, uh, not on the YouTubes, on the Facebook. So here it is. My kids walked home in the driving rain today. I told them previously that in case of rain I would pick them up in car line. I guess they heard but didn't listen. As soon as it started raining well before school was out I jumped into the car. I got there early. I sat in the long line of cars looking forward to saving my youngins. When I got there they had already gone. As I was pulling up I saw them absolutely drenched coming back to school, having walked all the way home and back. I know my kids. They saw the problem, thought up a solution, and handled it on their own. They faced the storm alone and walked every step with their own power. They were so thrilled when they saw me about to pull off the relief in their faces. They ran to me. I was proud of them for their thoughtfulness or for their toughness. I felt sorry for their experience but mostly just upset that they could have avoided the whole thing. How much easier would it have been if they had just listened? Their obedience had built-in benefits. I was coming for them from a different direction and a different time, but there was a plan in place that they couldn't see. And because they didn't hear, listen, and obey, they missed out on it. Well, some of it. When they got back where they were supposed to be, I was there. I was actually about to come looking for them and would have found them either on the way or waiting at the house. That's because I don't give up on them when they make mistakes. There are built-in consequences to not listening. I will take them wherever I find them, though. Back to the house, shoes and backpacks with me, get in the shower, air out the binders and books, and then a long hug for each. They both cried. I explained to them where I was the whole time. Jenna said, I can't believe all that was going on. We could have, and that's what made me write this. Storms come in life too. Sometimes we just have to face them head on. But how many storms have I been through because I haven't listened? Or I thought I could have handled it alone. How many consequences could I have avoided? How many benefits have I avoided? And how many times has God shown up and I wasn't there? So like a hundred people liked it. It got 13 shares, Um, like 22 comments. And then of course on all the shares too. And that turned a a really yucky situation. I mean, you heard the story Um, and it's just something that I learned when my daughter said, I can't believe all that was going on we could have avoid you know she just kind of broke off i'm saying i could have avoided the whole thing and um yeah so a lot of people responded and said some really awesome stuff and uh somebody somebody posted and said you know why am i so hard headed that that just fits me so much and i think i know what's best and And I, and she says, why is my head so hard? And I, all I could say was, I can only tell you why my head's so hard. It's not that I believe that my way is better than God's. I just know my way's easier. And so that's why I keep wanting to do it. I posted something every, every day that week, the rest of that week, and, uh, tried to keep it real and try to be a blessing and um, and it uh, it was it's was good stuff. It helped me feel like a pastor again. You know, somebody even wrote that in the uh, comments that pastor is what you do, not not the title. And I appreciated that. Wednesday, it was a lot. Uh, I'll end with a, a light one. Um, my son, I don't know, just joking around. He, he's got a weird sense of humor. I like it though. And, uh, as we're joking around and stuff, he just looks at me and goes, you are so adorable. And it just made me laugh. And I said, yeah, I'm adorable. I just started cracking on him, you know? I said, yeah, I'm so adorable. That's true. I am. I'm like a naked baby mixed with a puppy and a love note. And they just thought that was hilarious. And I love making my kids laugh. My daughter always laughs harder than my son. Because she just loves laughing. Like her dad. And uh, that finishes up everything as of last Wednesday. I didn't write anything this week. I'm crossing out all of my stuff on my list. That was two and a half pages of MMDs. And you've sat through... Over an hour of it. And I hope that you found it enjoyable. Because um, I'm going to let you know that though this podcast will always hold a special place in my heart. Because it was the one that got me back into it. It was the first one. It was such a huge milestone. I've always said that eventually one day that I won't need to do this show anymore. Uh, I knew that would come when I hit a certain place in my moods and in the way I was able to handle life. Um, I knew it would be when I was able to see the blessings in my life again like a normal person. Um, And that day has come. I realized that uh, about a week ago. And it's just taking me a while to record what will be my last uh, Made My Day podcast. So thank you all. Um, There's about 500 of you that listen. And that blows my mind. Um, And I appreciate you all. And I thank you so much for... Hanging with me and praying for me and believing for me and, and, and all of the emails that the stories that I couldn't even share if I wanted to, because they're so personal, the things that you guys told me about and, and, and how I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how my story is in any way, um, you know, helps you or inspirational or whatever. I, I can't fathom because all I've done is go through it and, you know, and pushed myself, I guess. But I don't see anything enviable or special about that. I'm just a dude with, uh, you know, a a tape recorder, (laughs) an upgraded version of all of that. But But thank you for thinking that. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. I it's like my old boss. His name was George Westlake, and he was about seventy plus years old. He was my boss, and about once a month, he would talk about me from the pulpit to thousands of people five thousand people a a weekend. And um, and he would tell them that I was a genius. And it's not true. He would tell them I'm the best children's pastor in the world. He would, and he believed it. That's why it wasn't a lie. <laughs> cuz uh it wasn't true, but it wasn't a lie either cuz he believed it with all his heart. And I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not a genius and I'm not the best children's pastor in the world by far but I felt like it and I operated as if I were because he believed it. And you guys sharing your stories and counting me as inspirational in my journey um, means a lot. It means that much. So uh, thank you for hanging out with me. Now I'm, I'm talking like I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> like after I hit stop, I die in your life and, and all this. I, I will continue on. Um, I, I'm going to share with you some ways that you can stay connected if you choose to. Um, first of all, you can always email me anytime, very approachable as long as you don't get weird on me <laughs> or expect too much because I am just a guy. I'm not, anything more than that. Uh, you can email me at James at dot com. I, I always, you know, I get emails from people constantly. They're like, I, I just never want to bother you. You're not going to bother me. Um, and if you do, I'll tell you and I'll be very nice about it. <laughs> but your initial email especially is never ever going to be, you know, something that I, uh, am annoyed by or whatever. I'm just a guy, just dude. So you can do that. But also you can visit any of the podcasts that I do um over at NLcast.com. NL, as in nobody's listening, NLcast dot com. Um that network of podcasts is what I do now. I'm full time podcaster and um I'm I'm you know basically trimming some of the fat. Not that this show in any way was fat, but it's but it is—it's um, just its time is over. Its time is done. If you'd like to hear me talk though seriously about serious things, uh, you can check out Gospel of Kennison. It's my personal audio journal. It's only got about 200 listeners. Um, JamesKennison.com. dot com, and go there. Click on podcasts, or you can type in Gospel of Kennison into iTunes, or you know wherever you get your podcasts from. But if you go to the website, you're gonna you're gonna be able to click on some subscribe links and stuff like that, and you'll be able to read some articles while you're there. Gospel of Kenison, um, but there I talk about religion, I talk about family, I talk about you know stuff from my week. It's like MMD, it's just not always so upbeat. <laughs> um, and then also, I wanted to introduce you if you haven't my main show, my the show that I. I'm so happy that I'm doing it again. Um, it's called Nobody's Listening. Um, actually, this week and today's MMD, the last one, will be that I'm rebranding it and I'm calling it That Story Show. So go to thatstoryshow.com and uh, subscribe and listen. And uh, it's a it's a story show. Basically, we tell funny life stories. We celebrate the how hilarious life can be by, uh, sharing, uh, our listeners, funny life stories. And, uh, in many ways, this show was what I had to do before I could get back to that show. Cause I needed to talk about life and the good stuff about life without having to be funny. Now I can do it. And talk about the funny things that happen, the humorous things, the stuff I talked about here, but in a, a different format, different setting. And I can also share your funny life stories. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, go to any of those websites I mentioned, JamesKennison.com, at StoryShow.com, and com. You'll also see Movie Beatdown. It's a show I do with John um, uh Paulie Godbout, and um, Christian Sudreth, three friends of mine that I've known at different times in my life, one from high school, one from early ministry, and then one uh, that was uh, at the last church I was at. And they, they didn't know each other, but we got together uh, from a common love of movie and, movies and movie structure, and we break movies down, some of your most favorite movies like Star Wars, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, a Lord of the Rings, Die Hard. Uh, we break them down into 15 beats, uh, segments. Uh, screen Screenwriters know all about this because it's part of a book um, called Save the Cat. And uh, if that sounds weird to you, just know this. If you watch this or listen to this show and then watch your favorite movie afterwards, it will change the way you see movies. It will change the way you enjoy them. It will show you connections and things that, about your favorite shows that you never noticed before. And that's what makes this show unique. It's called Movie Beatdown, Movie dot com or look it up in iTunes. And um I would say visit us online at mmdcast.com dot com and send your comments and stuff to mmdcast at gmail dot com. But um this is it. So the show will be archived and uh available if you're listening to this years later, it's going to be at nlcast.com, even if mmdcast.com one day goes away. Um, you can email me anytime, not at mmdcast anymore, but james at nlcast.com. You can still call the line, uh, 2095-nlcast, anytime you want. You can follow me on Twitter at nlcast.com. Um, and you can join, I forgot to tell you about this. You can join the NLCast podcast community, uh, or I'm sorry, network community. It's basically a group of folks on Facebook getting together, um, talking about stuff, you know, it's a, no matter what show of mine you listen to, you're going to bump into people that are like you and you can get to that NLCast.com slash uh, group. I believe, let me type that in, make sure that's right. Yes. NLCast.com slash group, and it'll point you right to the uh, NLCast network community and join that. And you'll bump into other people that listen to uh, this show and other shows that I do. Good folks. Good folks over there. It's one of my favorite places on the internet, and it'll probably become yours too. So guys, again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. On this last episode, let it never be said that I pod faded on this one. Pod fading, if you don't know, is when you put out a show every month <laughs> instead of every week and then finally give up. Uh, this was very uh, on purpose. <laughs> and uh, so, again, thanks so much. If I had a closing statement that I would have to say um, as if I were dying and my famous last words would just have to be... um. Here's hoping that every day you have the capacity and the ability to find something that makes your day.